All right. I'm going to ask you to give you about a 30 second opportunity here. Who's got a question? Yeah, get me a question, fellas. No, I mean, you're ready for me to... Yeah. Come on, Dr. O, You got a question? question? <laughs> he doesn't have one. You... Trash, you always have something to say. No, no, Who's got a good. question? Anyone? Get back there, Phyllis. Oh, Phyllis, before her arms falls off. Who? Which one? Oh. You... Oh, Pat. There you can't see from up there. Healing. Pastor, you know I'm the one that always gets confused on things after a while. So when I pray for my children, I, whether it's salvation or for something that's in their life or something like that, when I pray once, do I then from that time on just thank him for it and see that in their lives as it's already done? Or do I continue to pray for that situation? Wow. Well, let's, let's ask the men that walked as Jesus walked. Paul said, be you followers of me as I am a follower of Christ. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus upon every remembrance of them. Every time he thought of them, he prayed a prayer for them. And he prayed the basic, typical prayer in Ephesians 1, 17 down through 23. Now, that's what he prayed for them. Colossians 1, 9, upon every remembrance of you, I pray that you will walk worthy of your vocation. So there, in fact, Jesus, if we would just pray one time, and never pray about something again, Jesus taught the disciples wrongly when he said, I want you to pray like this every day. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He told them to pray that every day. So was Jesus in unbelief? No. Well, no. Jesus was in unbelief. Somebody told you that you were in unbelief. So where does the prayer of faith come in? The prayer of faith comes in when you are praying something for yourself. Now, prayer means what? What does prayer mean? Prayer means petition. Prayer means to ask. Prayer means to worship. Prayer means confession. Prayer means a declaration. It means all of them. So can you pray the same thing in different ways? Absolutely. Like if you prayed for your daughter, then you could say, Father, I want to thank you that God, that she is this or she is that, because you've made a petition. Remember when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus, he said, roll the stone away. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. So he makes a decree about what him and God have, have talked about. So let's say it like uh, you would pray for your daughter to, uh, God, I just want you to uh, help her in college. She's taking college course. I want you to help her that God, she'll be able to remember. She'll be able to keep her focus. So next day you're going about your work and all of a sudden your daughter's memory comes up, her name, or you, just a thought about her, you say, God, I thank you that she's quick of mind. She's quick of understanding. God, she accumulates knowledge. She's able to articulate it. She's able to apply it. She's able to define it. I thank you, God, that she has a quick mind. She is a quick learner, that God, she's quick to be able to respond and to orchestrate or to give back what she has learned to be able to explain it in a way that is received by her teachers. You, that, that is the same thing as praying. That is the same thing as praying. So we might not pray the same thing, but really we are praying about the same thing. We're just using our faith in a different direction. Now, if I pray something for myself, Pat, 
If I would say, you know, God, I'm going to, uh, I don't know. Uh, gosh, I don't, I just, uh, God, I'm going to believe for a new baseball. And, uh, you know, God, I want this baseball. Now, here's one thing that you need to do about praying. You know, when, when you just flip through the Bible and say, God, this is what you said. Uh, you know, like people say, well, you know, the Bible says here, you know, command God. Yeah. But really, the, that it doesn't mean that you get a command God. It means that when you operate on his word, you are in actuality commanding God because he's devoted and committed to fulfilling his word and he hastens his word to perform it. So when you act upon the word, God is, as it were, going to respond to the word. But as we would say, command God, no. Not even in the slightest attitude. But we would say, uh, when, when I pray about something or something for myself, number one, I take it through a process. Why? Because you can very easily get entrapped by greed, by the desires of the mind, the lust of the flesh. But the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. Most of the things that I pray about now, I don't pray about to get for myself. I want to pray in line for things that God wants me to have. Now, you might think that's crazy, but there are lots of things that God wants for your life. And he does want you to enjoy life. He wants you to have nice things. Uh, it was his idea to take them into Canaan to give them houses that they had not built. And vineyards that they had not planted. It wasn't there. It wasn't Israel's idea. That was God's idea. You, you understand that? It was God's idea to in, uh, give them... Uh, the ability to weave tapestries and to design clothing that were be, was beyond their capacity. It was God's idea. It was God's idea to create for Jesus a robe without a seam. seam. That was God's idea. It wasn't somebody else's. It was God's idea. So God wants us to have nice things. And nice things for people are different. Uh, if you work at a... Uh, 7-Eleven, you probably don't need a suit for Sunday morning. Right. Amen? Yes. So, now, if you're preaching, you might want to consider, hey, I'd like to have a suit to preach. But don't have things just to have them. You don't need things just to have them. Amen. And so, one of the things that I do, anything that I pray about, I make sure that I take it through a time slot approving and judgment. I let it go through filters. If I'm just going to be inspired or uh, stirred by emotion or want or lust of my mind, I'm going to end up imprisoned by debt. That's where I'm going to end up. But if I just wait for the Lord to put things on my heart, say, hey, I'd like for you to believe for that. Okay, God, I'll do that. And then you believe God for that. Now what I have is I really have heard the Lord. Faith has come and it's come by hearing. Now I'm confident that I'm in God's will. So I'm not going to be shaky. I'm not going to be double minded. Sometimes when people look at scriptures, you know, they just pick them out and say, right here, God, you said this. Okay, so you're reminding God what he said. And I know that that's true. You should do that. Because the Bible says that, declaring to me that uh, why you're here, so that thou mayest be justified. In other words, there should always be a foundation of Scripture or God's will why you are petitioning God for something, that you might be justified. So, but just finding something in Scripture doesn't mean that the faith that's in that Scripture has come to your spirit. Could I get an Amen. amen. Faith does come by hearing, but it doesn't come by just finding and picking. So if I was going to believe for something, I would, first of all, run it through a, a process of judgment. God, why do I want this? 
do I need this? Is this, uh, you know, more important? God, what's it going to do between our relationship? What's it going to do to my time, my family, and so forth? And God wants us to have nice things. But realize that when God gives us the desires of our heart, it's not just him giving us what we desire. Now we are in unison or unity with God. He has given us what he desires for our life. And I, I tell the story about, you know, ping golf clubs. I didn't want pings because they, everybody had them, and I'm just a rebel. I don't like doing what everybody else does. I mean, if everybody was wearing blue shirts, I'd have a green one. Just principle. That's just me. So I said, I don't want them ping clubs. So one time I was in a, in a service, and, uh, and I heard this voice. I want you to buy ping clubs. I said, you devil, messing around in this service. I'm here worshiping God, trying to keep my mind on this guy. He's preaching everywhere, but where he's supposed to go. And I need every bit of mind fiber I've got to keep in track with him. And you know what? I heard it again. I want you to buy a set of pings. So finally I wrestled with it and I said, look, God, you want me to have pings? You have somebody come up and give me $600 or $700, and then I'll go buy them. As soon as the service ended, a guy came up to me and said, Hey, Pastor, the Lord told me to give you this. And he gave me $700. Well, I've played with pings ever since. I figure God likes ping better than he likes Callaway. So, I mean, why would he have me buy something he don't like? So, anyway, but when, you, when God gives you a desire of your heart, folks, now you can join your faith to the unshakable will of God. And so... I always take it through a, a process. Very seldom do I just go to a scripture and say, God, this is what you said. Now, if I'm meditating something, if I'm praying, if I'm uh, looking at scriptures and comparing them, and out of it a scripture speaks to me, now I know that faith has arrived. Now I know that I can apply it to what I need. But sometimes what we call faith isn't faith at all. And it doesn't endure for the journey or for the battle. So we have people start and not get. But if God speaks to you, I'll tell you what, you will remember that moment. You'll just remember that moment. I remember when God spoke to me and said, uh, you're going to be on national TV. I said, okay. I stood in a congregation of about seven or eight people and said, we're going to go on national TV. Okay. So I, we grew that building, went into the next building. I made paper, cardboard cameras and hung them from the speakers. I just hung them up there. Are you crazy? No. I'm just telling you, we're going on TV. Without a shout out, we're going on tel- television. And so we approached TV 44 told them what we wanted to do, and they said, it's impossible. I said, it's not impossible. I said, I'm going to pay you a year in advance, and this is how you can do it. And I told them how to do it, and they come and sit down with me at a holiday, at the old uh, Holiday Inn uh, in Wapakoneta, and they said, how long have you been in television? I said, I ain't never been in television, never been on television. They said, Well, our engineers said they've never saw this, but this will work. And I said, well, good. I said, because when God told me that, he also told me you overcharged me. And they said, what? I said, you heard me. You overcharged me. And buddy, they got out a calculator and figured it up. They said, you're absolutely right. We have overcharged you. I said, good. Take that off my bill. Yeah, and I was on a three-day fast in that hotel. And uh, so you can, you can hear from God, and when you hear from God, guess what? You got a word from God. When you got a word from God, you've been imprinted by God. You've been tattooed by God. And so it doesn't matter, like Abraham, it doesn't matter how many years go by, you cannot shake that God has talked to you. You, you can't do it. And so you may not know everything that's going on, but you will stand in faith. The reason we have faith failures, 
are basically two things. Number one is a lack of wisdom. That means that we don't know how to use our faith. And we don't know what to do when we get in a faith battle. And wisdom is designed to help us to use knowledge and to use faith successfully for an outcome. Then the other is, is simply, most people start a faith endeavor without faith. See, people live on yesterday's faith. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that. Faith doesn't come from having you heard. Faith comes afresh every time that you hear it fresh. And if you used your faith once, then I would encourage you to keep it refreshed before you use it again. You can't just live off of a seed of faith all the time. You have to feed your faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's a perpetual thing. In other words, you can't just study a subject, get faith one time, and then abandon the subject, and then three years later use it again. You, you can't do it. See, that's what Christians think they can do. You can't. You know, even though I may preach the same message, my books are, are filled with the same message rewritten. I rewrite it because I restudy it. Who in the world would be presumptuous enough to think that the words that they said last time are going to touch people like they did the time before? Well, nobody would do that. It's too sacred of a moment. So every time, if you're going to sow a seed, I'm, if you were going to go for the gusto, you're, you're going to believe God for a breakthrough, not just that you're going to sow a seed and three days later abandon ship. I'm talking about you really say, you know what? I'm going to believe God for this amount. I'm going to believe God for this house. Or I'm going to believe God for this. Or I'm going to believe God for that. You've meditated it. You've talked to the Lord about it. And he's put it on your heart. This is what I want you to do. Okay. All right, God. I'm going to do this. Then what I would do is I would study everything related to that. I would say, God... Show me how you want me to start my faith. And God might say, sow a seed or do this or do that. Then whatever he told me to do, I would do. Now faith is in motion. Now what I want to do is I want to make sure that I have faith that is in line with God's will. I would study all the scriptures. If God told me, son, I want you to sow a seed and I want you to believe me for a house. That happened to Phil tonight. So we did. Uh, in fact, we were, uh, one time we were coming out of our house and Phil said, oh man, I got to pay the car payment. And I said, you know what? I'm about sick and tired of car payments. I said, we ought to sow a seed that we don't have to, uh, buy a truck or a car anymore the rest of our days. So we went to, a uh, a, a restaurant. Laura was there. And I told Phil, I said, you know what? We bet we ought to sow a seed to this woman. So we'll get out of debt and never owe on another car. She said, you sure you want to sow it to her? I said, yeah, right now. Let's get it in ground. We, we just, I just got aggravated about owing on a truck, a, a, an SUV. And uh, so, you know, we sowed that $50 seed. And uh, we started believing God. And you know what? I don't have a car payment. Now I have a nice truck, but that truck was bought for me. And we haven't had a car payment since. Now, we used our faith for that. Now, I wouldn't have presumptuously said, well, I'm just never going to have debt. Well, you know, what you consider debt isn't even debt. I never consider a house payment a debt. A house payment, well, well, I don't believe in a house payment, really. You believe in uh, IRAs, 401ks, uh, the market, the money market. And all of those are more volatile than you paying on a house. A house is an investment. And it's the best investment you'll ever make, and you'll make yeah. more money off of it than you'll make off of any other investment. Yeah. So, you know, what, what you think is debt, because you listen to, you know, people make just stupid statements, you know, uh, that doesn't, doesn't even apply to you. I, I think a house is the greatest investment than you pop. I've made more money on houses and land development in our life than we have ever made, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, we, we never lived in a house over five years no. until the last one that, when they built it for me. And 
built it for us and the one that we're in now. But, but we didn't just go and invest the money. We saved the money. Then we just borrow money and get an old fix-up house and fix it up. And we'd flip it and we'd make money on it. You know, I remember the last house that Phil sold. Well, I think we made like $58,000 on that old house out there. Not quite that much, but and I don't remember. And Phyllis said, I'm not even going to put on the market. God's going to bring somebody. About three days later, a lady knocked on the door and said, hey, we, I want to buy your house. Phyllis said, okay. And then she walked to it. She said, is the furniture for sale? We said, yeah, we sold all the furniture. She said, is the dog for sale? I said, no, we're taking the dog with us. <laughs> oh, really? Absolutely. Isn't that the truth? It's we the took truth. the dog with us. The woman wanted to buy the dog. But God had put on my heart to pray for a house. He said, I want to ask, ask me for a new house. And I said, I don't need one. He said, your wife does. He said, she'd been living in that old uh, beat up farmhouse for all these years. We heated, we lived in, heated in a, our house with a fireplace only in one room. And uh, all the other rooms were freezers and uh, lay the bacon out in the morning so you wouldn't forget to fix it. It'd still be froze. Hallelujah. And it literally, at the, in the mornings, I get up sometimes, I have to shovel snow off the back porch and slam the door shut. Yeah, because there'd be a big drift of snow there. But uh, you know what? We made it, and uh, God told me to do that, and, I, and uh, I started believing God for a house, and pretty soon it happened. And uh, so we had that house, and uh, that house is still our house. So, uh, but... When you, when you want something, take it through the process. Just don't be quick to jump in. You know, faith is more than you just writing down a scripture and in your imagination commanding the creator of all things to do your bidding. Honey, also fasting when, when you're asking God for something like that. When, when you're trying to get God's mind upon something. Right. Fasting is to, really To go good. through it, to I wave fast. it out. To get you, settled down. Like and, you know, folks, if, if you really want an answer, now, if you just want to, you know, haphazardly pray about stuff and, you know, well, then that's great. But I don't want haphazard Christianity. I want something that's going to work. Amen. Maybe somebody else has another question. Yeah, anyway, Pat. Yeah, see, we got just, lots of them now. Just make sure you're hearing from God. Then when you pray, it, you pray it for yourself. That's your faith. That's what you agree on. But you can't just pray for somebody else just one time. Paul never led us to think that. And so we shouldn't. Jesus never taught that. So, yep. Hi, Pastor. Um, Teresa and I recently went soul winning in our apartment complex and I got a couple tie-ins with this and we were told we're not to solicit there and we have two more apartment two by two or three more apartments to get there and we're still going to go do it and the other day when I'm out at work this lady was distraught she had a baby in the cart two a um, bunch of groceries and they told her she didn't have she was short like about two dollars to pay off her money or pay off her bill well anyway I told her to put her groceries back in there, and I asked her, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The manager of the store told me, um, you'll have to leave, no soliciting here. How can I answer that question when someone hits me with no soliciting? Well, number one, if it's a law, you can't. Yeah, you, How do you know if it's the, the law? I'm just curious. Usually, it is on the door. But usually you don't, they got so many things plastered on doors when you walk into a, a store or a restaurant anywhere. And, and some people are just like that, Gary. They, they just do not want people doing good things. That's it. And when we, anytime that you're in a business, a restaurant or anything else, then you have walked under the canopy of somebody else's authority. And so mm -hmm. we have to submit to those and we have to give honor to whom honor is due and when you walk into their life into their house or anything else then you have to understand that that's their realm you're under their laws and what the things that they do you have to abide by their rules i guess what what happened was is you just totally forget about all that when you see what she was going through then she finds out she doesn't have enough money to pay for 
what the kids yeah. Oh, need. and I understand. I think you need to give her the money. If you see the woman in need, you give her the money. But uh, you could talk to her outside the store, say, could I talk to you outside when, when you get, you know, check out? I didn't think of that just instant, that quick soul winning because she was upset. I'm finding more and more people are distraught when you go to their houses. They will tell you what's going on. Yeah, right. And, you know, it is, a, it is our society. But when we come under anybody's canopy, okay. then we have to understand that we're under their rules. Yeah. Okay, we've got another one over so, here. Excuse me, guys. Hurry up, fellas. <laughs> oh, you've got plenty of time. Part of the answer probably already came when you'd already spoke about fasting, but this is dealing with dreams and visions. How do you, I guess, go before the Lord and when you receive a dream or a vision, do you fast about it for an Well, that's answer? real easy. What is a dream or a vision? Word of the Lord. What is it? Being of the word of the Lord. It is an inspired utterance. Okay. That's what it is. It, it is an inspired utterance. So it falls under the dictates of unknown languages. Because without you having an interpretation, it is an unknown language. Now what does the Bible say? If you pray in an unknown, in an unknown tongue, pray that you may interpret. Right there's your answer. I never ask for somebody to interpret any dream or anything else that God's ever given me. If God gave it to me, it is my interpretation. If somebody else processes it through their mind, it'll come out the way they think. So I would just say this, God, I have this dream. I ask you to give me the interpretation. And then I go on. And then if it's a day, a month, a week or two, two months, three months, all of a sudden, I'll know. But this people, you know, come. Sometimes people say, well, you know, uh, Daniel interpreted dreams. You know, we all take our dream to somebody else. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was not a Christian. Amen. So we do understand neither was Pharaoh. So they do need somebody that is in contact with God. But you're a Christian. You can ask God what the interpretation of any inspired language is. And when you get it, then you'll have it. Now it's not just a picture or an a tongue that needs to be interpreted. Now it's the word of the Lord. And now you got, guess what? You got it now. Okay. Uh, when you're praying for somebody, is it best to pray the answer instead of the situation? Well, what, what you want to do is, first of all, I always, like uh, Rob said, hey, if I pray for you and God heals you, would you pray the prayer of repentance? Well, yeah, okay. All right, first thing I do is somebody wants to pray, for me to pray for them, I say, okay, what do you want? You have to find out what they agree, what they're believing, because it's not your faith. If it was my faith, everybody would be saved. It, it doesn't have nothing to do with my faith. Listen, when we're praying for people, we're agreeing with them where they are. And so if we try to, well, this is what we're going to pray. Well, well, I'm going to the doctor Monday. Well, I'm going to pray and you won't have to go to the doctor. Honey, you remember when you prayed for my mom, you said she was getting ready to go in surgery. Yeah. And you said, mom, you always called her mom. You said, <clears throat> mom, how do you want me to pray? Where do you want me to put my faith? Right. And she said, look, with Pete, the doctor. I can't believe that God will heal me, but I can believe that if you'll pray while I'm in surgery, yep. that I'll come out of this thing supernaturally. And yep. she did. Uh -huh. They said she'd need six months of recuperation and all that. Listen, that woman, Nikki, walked in there. She picked Nikki up off the floor like three hours after surgery, set her on the bed. The doctor said, we don't know what's going on. Look, you just need to go home. And that woman was well from day one. I mean, it was just yeah. a miracle, wasn't yeah. it? Yes, it was. But while she was in surgery, I was praying in the Holy Ghost. Yep. That's where our faith connected. But if I try to use my faith and tell people what's going to happen, it ain't going to happen. Right. So you say, yeah, yeah, but man, they're just praying that they'll just get the right medicine. Well, to them, that's a miracle. Well, I used to, you know, pray God to save my son, my daughters and things like that. But I started praying, thank you, Father, for their salvation. 
in other words, you made a declaration. Yeah. And that's what the prayer, what a prayer is. A prayer can be a declaration or a confession. And uh, I also, I believe that if you don't really know what to pray for, it's best to pray in tongues. Yep, that's what the Bible says. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So you're, you're praying for them and you're praying for their salvation, but you're making a declaration. Yeah, absolutely. And the word says you and your household shall be saved. So that's just right. bring that back to his remembrance because he says, keep me in the remembrance of my word. Yep, and he just reminded God, I thank you, God, you saved them. And he can say that because God said, if you believe, Ron, you and your household will be saved. So what's that saying? They're going to be saved. They can't run from God. Hallelujah. God will hunt you down, buddy. Hallelujah. All right. Anybody else? Anyone? Oh, Right over there, Phyllis. <laughs> hey, Jennifer. <laughs> If you have a decision to make and um, you pray about it, even minuscule decision, and you pray about it and you don't feel the Lord giving you direction either way, what's the best way to go about making the decision? Well, when, first of all, the Bible says in the council, in a multitude of councils, there is safety. So the first thing I would do is start consulting with people. You know, what is the best way to do this? Uh, do somebody else been through this situation? So that is where you can begin. And really, as you start that counseling and what will happen, you'll start hearing. You'll start, hey, you know what? We ought to do this. And so God will open that up to you and uh, give it to you supernaturally because in that council are people that have been through it. They've experienced. They're going to give you the shortcomings. They're going to give you the pitfalls of it. They're going to give it all to you. So you're going to be able to make a decision of this is what we need to do. And so the first thing I do, if I'm praying about something, and usually I'm just notorious for people say, well, you know, we need a decision today. Well, that's tough. You ain't getting a decision today. If I get it, you'll get it. If not, we ain't doing nothing. Now, you just, you know, don't, don't try to bully me and don't try to tell me what you need. I'll tell you when I get what we need. It's just the truth. Don't be under pressure. Right. What's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> what, yeah, what's going to happen? Well, they shut your electric bill off. They can come out and turn it back on. It doesn't matter. But I'm not going to make a decision under duress. And I'm not just going to make a haphazard decision, especially when it has to do with a crusade or something of that nature or, or money or decisions like that. Can't do it. Our family has, has this deal going on. Something happens in our family. Somebody gets a report or somebody. We come together. We fast for three days. When we come back together, the person says, this is what I think I should do. Then everybody in the family says, okay, that's what we're doing. We all get the same confession. We all get the same mindset. That is it. And ain't nobody saying, well, I think we ought to shut up. You, it ain't your body, it ain't your brain, and it ain't your sickness. Shut up. So we adapt to them. It doesn't matter where it is, that's where we go. And, even, and then we're all in agreement. Yeah, and sometimes even if we think they've made the wrong decision, you know what I mean? We won't say anything. No, we just, no absolutely we just not. just believe God with them and pray. We're we say, joining you know, our faith with, with their them. faith. And they're inviting us into their life. We aren't bulldozing it ourselves into theirs. Right. So, uh, but the counsel, when you start getting counsel like that, Jen, what will happen is answers will come. See, in every word, there is a word. Yeah. Just like people can hear a word in here and somebody will hear it one way, another person hears it another way. Uh, you know, in the promise is the uh, rhema of God. Logos certainly is the written word of God. It is the word of God. But when God speaks it, now it's filled with a life. So there is a word within a word. And in the council, there is a word. And, and it'll, it'll just come out. And, you know, when, when we think about that kind of stuff too, the Bible says we lay down, we get up, we lay down, get up. And all of a sudden, it'll talk to you as if your mother or father was there. And it'll say, this is what you should do. So, all righty. Who else? They s oh, right back. 
Luke 15 has the three parables of the lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Yep. Um, the lost sheep and the lost coin, the, the person or the woman search after it or goes after it, but the lost son, uh, the father only eagerly awaits. My question is, why does God sometimes, or does, why does he go after the sheep but not go after the son? Well, he... he he ultimately, we realize this. There are different reasons that people leave, different reasons that people don't stay. If somebody leaves on their own fruition, for God to drag them back, to convince them, come back to me, then that's persuasion. That's, you know, some type of manipulation. But if man gets out and he realizes, what am I doing? When he, reveals, when he realizes his own depth of sin and transgression, then he realizes the value of redemption. But if a, if a father would come and say, oh, son, come on home and we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and promise him all these things, there's nothing about love, faith, devotion, or repentance involved. All it is is I'm coming home for a reward, whatever he can do for me. And salvation is really not about... I'm going to get saved so God can do something for me. Salvation is, you know what? God loves me. I'm lost. There is no hope for me except in God. That's why God will speak to people, but people have a choice. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. So Jesus does go after the lost sheep at one time, but that sheep has to be willing. There has to be an echo. God, help me. God, come to me. God, I'm broken. God, I'm struggling and things of that nature. But when somebody leaves on their own free will, they have to come back on their own free will. Yeah. That answer? All righty. All right. Okay, anybody else? Anyone else? Going once, going twice. Where? Oh, way back there. I don't have to walk tonight, do I? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, Violet. Mm-hmm. Get oh. leg fills. Come on, move oh. them little toothpick okay. things. All right. Okay, so um, when you, uh, sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, when you go to cast out a devil, um, do you like fast for it? Or is there certain things you're supposed to do? Like how do you go about like before you would cast out a devil? Obviously God would tell you. But how do you do it? Well, first of all, you gave me two questions. You gave me a question and scenario. You said, if God, obviously God would have told me. So if God would tell me, all options are excluded because now we have an infusion. When God tells you to do something, what comes with it? Faith. Absolutely. Let us go to the other side. So if God says, cast that devil out, guess what? Number one, God has deposited in you a faith that is beyond your own. Number two, he has accompanied you with an authority beyond your own. So we're talking about an intervention of God when God tells you to go do something. So if God tells me, go over there and cast the devil out of somebody or something, then you know what? There are no reservations. I'm not worried one because it's not me. Now I'm standing in the place as a representative of God. God is with me. It's his faith that I'm there for with, and it's his authority that I'm there with. And when you talk, it won't even be the devil hearing you. He'll be hearing God. It's an entirely different scenario. Now, for a believer that just runs into somebody with the devil. Now, that's an entirely different scenario. First of all, if I knew somebody that had a devil or something like that, I wouldn't be fasting to try to get that devil out. What we all want to do is we want to build a basis of strong revelation of the authority of the believer. We must know that we have authority 
over the devil. And you study those scriptures until they get in you. And not not till you're just, boy, I know I can do it. But you'll just have a peace and a calm about it. And so when you get that, that's the beginning. That faith, that assurance, that authority is on the inside of you. Now what we have to do, we still wait for the Lord. We don't just walk up to people that have devils and say, that's it, I'm going to cast you out. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Do you want to find out why that man has that devil? Has he rejected Jesus? Has he denied God? Has he cursed God? Has he sold himself out to the devil? You don't know any of that. So now we need a discerning of spirits. God's going to have to uh, reveal to us, John, why that man is in that condition. I've had people in this church say, Pastor, would you come out and pray for our house? And I would say, well, I'll pray for that house, but I feel like I should ask you, what's been going on in that house? They say, well, you know, they said one time that house was dedicated to the devil. I said, okay. I said, uh, how many people lived in that house? Oh, it seemed like they move in and out of about every two or three years. I said, oh. I said, what else happened? It seemed like everybody gets divorced. Oh. What else? Well, they all go bankrupt. Uh, but, but you know what? We, we want you to pray that that stuff don't happen to me. I said, well, you all better sell that house. You better sell that house. Why? Because that house is cursed. You want God to reverse it. But there's already been made a covenant on that piece of property. But you want to override everything, and you just want things done your way. There's more to life than you. There's more to life than you and your wants. So how about just finding a place that God wants you to have instead of having to go in and clean up what the devil has had? So I just told him, I said, if I was you, I'd get out of that house. I said, because if you don't, you're going to be coming here asking me to pray for you through bankruptcy court and divorce. I said, I'm just telling you, that place has been dedicated to the devil it belongs to the devil. Unless God told you to go in there and take it back, you best pack your stuff up and get out. See, sometimes Christians think they live independent of God. You don't live independent of God. We live dependent upon God. Could I get an amen? Yeah, we, we pray about everything. We petition God about everything. We seek God's counsel. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they live in the sonship privileges of God. But when we just haphazardly start making decisions, well, I'm going to get this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. Well, whose will is that? Is that yours or is that God's? So, and, and if you're just making up your own will, then don't ask God to come in and bail you out. Make sure you spend time with the Lord. Listen, there, there's nothing in life that you need except Jesus. Amen. Yes, we need a house for a family and so forth. Take your time. Let God bring you to a place. Let God speak to you. Let the process work. Let God work in you. Let God position you in life. Too much of this stuff that's going on, and, and I hate to say it, so much of the faith movement was command, demand, and, you know, declare and... And, and all of those things are principles, but they're all born out of faith, and they should be born out of a personal relationship with dependency upon God. Amen? And so before you do something, make sure that this is what God wants me to do. If you need something, take time to meditate about it. Pray and, and uh, pray for counsel. Start looking at the scriptures. See what it says. Don't take one or two of them. Take the whole counsel of God and see what the Lord says. Amen? And I know some of you think, oh my God, you just got to pray. and you got." Well, if you want to be successful, you should be. Amen. But we don't just invite, we don't just go do something and then ask God to straighten it out and bless us. Well, God will bless what you put your hands to. You're right. Just make sure you put your hands to the right stuff. Amen. 
You know, God wants to be happily married. Make sure you marry the right one. Because there are things that even God can't do. And that's change a woman. Or a man. Or a man. Really. You know, people say, well, you know, in, in their mind, I see women's minds all the time. That's happening now, but it won't after we get married. And I'm thinking, it ain't going to happen. You're going to be a divorce case. Listen, if, you're going to, if you don't like what you're marrying, why are you marrying them? If you think they need change, why are you joining yourself Amen. to them? Come on. That's like buying a car and saying, well, you know, it's a, a rust trap, but I'm going to be a body man. No, buy a nice car in the first place. Amen. And if you think you've got to change something on somebody, then there's something wrong with you. Right? So you, look, take your time. I'm not a hurry in a hurry to have a faith failure. I am focused on being a faith success. That's what I am. And so even though it may take me time, you know, I'm going to get someplace. You know, I wish to God that, you know, we had one crusade. We had 1.2 million people saved in five, five days. Now, that's a lot of stinking people. And I'm telling you, it's a lot of people. We had six miles of sound system. But that doesn't happen all the time. Now we're at the place that we're just doing 40 or 50,000 people about three times a year. Now we're still gone somewhere. It's just taking us more time to get there. So, but I'm not in a hurry. I'm here until I die. So no matter where, where I am in life, I'm, I'm still going to be doing crusades until I give up the ghost. And I may give up the ghost preaching on the, on the crusade ground. I don't know. But I'm not in a hurry. I just want to do what God wants me to do. Amen. The greatest thing in my life is this. I want to see who I am. I want to produce where I am. And I want to be faithful to him. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. And if it's here in Bachman's Ohio till the day I die, which I think that it will be, then I will be here. But I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be fruitful where I am. And then I'm going to be devoted and faithful to God. That, that's all I want. Three things in life, real simple. It, it's real simple. It's not hard. It's real simple for me. I want to be where God wants me to be. That's it. And here it's buckins till death do we part and then I want to be fruitful no matter what I'm involved in I want to be fruitful and then after that I want to be faithful to God I want God to be pleased with me when I die amen and that that's all I'm asking and peace with Phyllis which people believe for the impossible so you know and, and that's my impossible goal you know, Phyllis, you, you remember Phyllis said we was going to have a work day? Yeah, let me tell you how my work day went. I was out there working for Phyllis. Something got in my eye. Finally, Monday, I couldn't hardly see out of it. Tuesday, I, I opened, I, I couldn't even see. So finally, I had to go to the doctor, and they said, well, you got a piece of glass or stone up there up under your eyelid. So they had to get it out. They got it out. Thank God, here I wasted two days working for Phyllis on her mother's day. Yeah. Oh, and then today I had to go out and power wash the driveway. Yeah. And so today when I finished that driveway, I told her, I said, now, honey, I love you. We are never having another work day, mother's day, the rest of my life. She said, well, honey, I, I, I'm the closest thing you'll have a mother. I said, I buried my mother. And she never drove me to work like you have. And I'm not going to work another Mother's Day work day. You understand me? My daughter can work herself to the bone. I am watching a movie or playing golf. Now, here's the other side of the story. Nicole and Randy, I want to give them honor. Seriously, they work from the time they got there after they ate. Yes, I... They work from they the time... They should... 
till 8 30 they it, should nine? she's your daughter listen they work so hard she's your randy, daughter randy and nicole well, i mean not. doing everything they and even the grandkids do i look in. like your seed now wait a minute let me tell the rest of my story you're making it up he got dirt in his eye from grinding Gr up listen <laughs> listen from grinding up what was it honey on the uh what is that thing called i'm putting in a putting green it was for him <laughs> it wasn't for me but it, it was, was on Mother's Day. Me. If I hadn't been doing it on Mother's Day, I'm telling you, it wouldn't have happened. Now, you see? You see how that one side the story? you got to hear both sides of the story, folks, or it's not true. I think that, that was that piece of stuff off our deck where I power washed was waiting right no, there on my eyelid. No. And th yeah, that's all he did was power wash the deck. The deck is about, you know how big it is, the deck's about 10 feet by 8 with a little strip. Oh, Dr. Oberlu, please tell her she's fibbing. The 10 by 8 with the little strip. With a little strip that goes clear down that way, down that way, down step, down step, down. Who do you think did all them down steps? And you need to see them. <laughs> but you know what? I love him just the way he is. But I don't try to change him. <laughs> I'd like to. But <laughs> no, I do. But seriously, I know you're teasing. You he was doing he was me. doing his putting green. That's how he got that in his eye. It wasn't for me. Oh no, 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 no. But I wouldn't have been doing the putting green if you haven't gotten me to work. And you can tell he doesn't work because he should have wore safety glasses, right? So he doesn't work in do anything around the house because he should have put on safety glasses. I do things around the house. Dishes. I drive around the house on my way out with the boat, I, with my kayak. I drive around when I'm going to the golf course. I we got to let these around. people go. All right, let's it. go home. Hallelujah. All Father, right. in the name of Jesus, bless these people. Yes. Help us, God, apprehend what we've spoke yes. about in Jesus' mighty name. Bless them and keep them in Jesus' yes. name. Amen and amen. amen. Sunday morning, see you then.